Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 42 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. And I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little bit more about mountain biking and the people involved and figure out why we love this thing so much. So thanks for being here. If you're a first-time listener, thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. And if you're a returning listener, awesome. It's always great to have you guys here. This is why I do this. It's for you lads to learn out, learn a wee bit more about what's going on in the mountain biking game. So I hope you are enjoying the show. Now, I just want to say a big congratulations to Glenn O'Brien and the guys there at the Vitus First Tracks Enduro Cup, which they held at Ross Trevor last weekend. It was round three of that Enduro Cup. And Glenn, congratulations, bro. By the looks of stuff on socials and everything else, you had an absolutely fantastic day there. So congratulations on another successful round of the Fittest First Tracks Enduro Cup. Well done. And to all the competitors and all the guys that were standing on podiums, awesome job. Well done. And um, it's awesome to see us thriving out there. So well done, guys. All the best for your next round of that and on to today's show now it's funny that this is the actual podcast that's going out this week and it wasn't really planned like this but this is the way it's kind of happened so in this episode we're chatting to Owen Franson from his Irish based blog called Emerald MTB we chat to him about riding bikes and the state of mountain biking in Ireland and also how he won a free entry to the Dava Enduro. Now, I want to chat about that a wee bit because this weekend the Dava Enduro is happening. It's on from Saturday the 30th of June until Sunday the 1st of July. And Michael, um, I just want to say, hope everything goes well for you guys there this weekend. And I'm sorry I can't be there to compete, but um, I'm so glad. And I hope you get a good bit of weather for it and stuff. So I hope everything goes well for you at the Davenjuro this week. So just a heads up. So but it's funny how things work out at times because I knew of Emerald MTB. Um I used their great race calendars, uh read their blog and watched their videos, etc. But I never really knew the guy behind it all. That was until he entered and won a competition that I was running on the podcast to win a free entry to the Dava Enduro being held this weekend. So after Owen won the competition, we got chatting via email and it dawned on me who he was. So what a stroke of luck. Um, So one thing led to another and he agreed to come on the show and it just so happens that it's airing this week. Just in time for the Davin Juro this weekend. So, but all things said, I was stoked to get Owen on the show because I not only wanted to find out more about his Emerald MTB blog, but also, I knew he would be a great guy to chat to regarding mountain biking in Ireland. Uh, and as that is what the content of his blog relates to, really. So I wanted to find out a little more about the scene in Ireland and how healthy he felt mountain biking was and how he was looking for the future. I also chatted to Owen about he got, how he got interested in mountain biking, what his local trails are like, why he started the blog, products he has reviewed for the blog, his awesome race events calendar and much, much more. It's 
a very interesting podcast into what's happening in Ireland. And I wanted to get somebody like this on for quite a while on the podcast. So as I say, it's a good stroke of luck that it's on and that it's happening this week. We chat about many things, to be honest. Uh, we chat about you know, why he thinks mountain biking in Ireland is, is so popular now. We chat about the gear he uses. We chat about why he wants a Santa Cruz High Tar LT. All good stuff. Um, and also we go into his blog, obviously, and how to get in contact and stay in touch with the one, etc. So, folks, I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you want to hear a wee bit more from MTB Tribe, just simply go to the website www.mtb-tribe.com. You can get more info there. You can subscribe, get emails sent out once a week just to let you know who's on the show. So thanks, folks, for being here. I hope you enjoy the show and let's welcome Owen to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Owen. How are you doing? Welcome to MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you, sir? Everything is very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. No, you're more than welcome to come on and thank you for doing it. Um, I know it was pretty short notice, really, getting you on, but it's kind of a weird way it came about, wasn't it? Because <laughs> It was a little bit, yeah. <laughs> because you entered the competition to win the free Dava Enduro that I was doing on the website and on the podcast. And I didn't actually know that you were the founder of Emerald MTB until you had won that. So... You know, it's just funny the way coincidences work out, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. Small world. Yeah, totally. And I knew of Emerald MTB before that um, and stuff. And, you know, I've been on your blog and, and things like that. But it's cool to get you on. Thanks so much. No problem at all. It's, thanks for having me. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so I was saying earlier there, just before the the audio went weird and we had to start again, um, some of the listeners may know, some of them may not, but I've moved to Malta for a couple of years. Yeah. And I'm sitting in like board shorts and 27 degree heat and it's half nine in the evening. How are you just getting the weather in Ireland at, the, at this time? Well, I'm sat here in a hoodie and a t-shirt and <laughs> full length trousers and slippers <laughs> and it is raining outside. So <laughs> I might be a little bit jealous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, man, you know what? I, I love the weather over here. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Oh, well, we've been lucky that the last, what, four to five weeks we've had warm and, and fairly consistent sunny weather. So we've been trying to make the most of it. But yeah, all good things must come to an end. And I hear I hear you have a heat wave on the way. Well, so I'm told. Well, let's hope so. Because <laughs> usually when we've had this sort of weather, that means that's it. Summer done and over and done with. But people keep saying there's a heat wave coming. So we'll... Keep our fingers crossed. Classic, classic. I'll let you get out in the bike a wee bit more, huh? Yes, hopefully. Cool. Now, uh, we've got you on really to chat about uh, Emerald MTB, and that's your blog where you share news, reviews, experiences about mountain biking in Ireland, really, in general. Um, you do quite a lot on there, like bike-related events and races, and you've got a great calendar and all on there, and uh, we'll get into that in a wee bit, but... I just like to get to know my guests and let the listeners know the guests a wee bit more just beforehand. And I'm just interested in how you got into mountain biking. When did you start to mountain bike? Well, I've, oh, I was born in Holland, so I've I probably learned to cycle before more or less the same time as I could walk. So, wow. Um, we moved here when I was about ten, and I guess I got my first mountain bike around the age fourteen or fifteen. Right. Okay. So that would have been mid nineties. 
Cool, yeah, good time and to get into it. I guess that, oh, there wasn't that much going on mountain bike-wise around here, but we used to mess about in the in the national park and go along the walking trails, and that's pretty much where it started. Yeah. Then I guess uh, when I finished school, I, w- I moved away for a few years and sort of got out of the mountain biking until I came back again in the early 2000s. And it was it was just about starting around here then. So we would there was a few trails appearing, and pretty much mountain biking ever since then. Mm. And and what what initially got you into it as a as a kid? You know, was it friends or what initially you know made you interested in it? It's it's the sort of biking that I prefer to do. I had a I, my parents bought me a, a racing bike before I got the mountain bike, and I managed to destroy that trying to bunny up on curbs and stuff so <laughs> i needed something that was a bit heavy, heavy duty yeah so and, your parents probably got you just to try and save themselves money <laughs> probably yes <laughs> i think i think that bike lasted me or a, a good 10 years class and had you any friends or anything done at that time and yeah we had a, a few friends and they were we were all sort of doing the same thing just messed about in the park and as you know, as a mid-teen, you can't drive, so it's it's a form of transportation. So it was is a way to get into town, and then from there, head out into the park and have a laugh. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good, good, uh, good, healthy thing to be doing after school, you know. Well, this is the thing: is get get outside, have some fresh air. Totally. And where were you based then? Were you in Killarney at that stage? Uh, I was in Killarney, yeah. So we have the national park on the doorstep. With well, at the time it was it was walking trails and whatever that paved trails around the, the park, um, which was which was fun enough. But I suppose it was it was a start of mountain biking, so we wouldn't really have been aware of what we would do. To, you know, what we would consider normal now is unheard of in the mid nineties, really. Yeah, and did you follow any magazines? Did you watch any coverage on TV or anything at that time? Uh, this, there wouldn't have been any TV coverage, not in the not in the south of Ireland at the time. We had a couple of TV channels, and they probably never heard of mountain biking in their life. Um, I remember reading MBUK and the likes. I would I would buy them with my pocket money whenever I had the chance. Yeah, and you know it's interesting when when people are starting around that time. They they seem to. The magazines, you know, the magazines seem to be such a big thing, whereas now, obviously, for kids getting into it, you know, it's all YouTube and it's all online and all television stuff. And so it's just a different avenue into it, but it's still very interesting. Yeah, I'd, I kind of I kind of wish when I was 15, the scene would have been like it is today, because I reckon I would have been 100 times better at mountain biking than I am now if, if I had the influence and, and the access people have now. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. So you're in Killarney down there. So what's the scene like down there, Owen? Tell us a wee bit about what's happening down there, what it's like. Uh, well, in, there's, uh, I suppose in Killarney itself, there's a big cycling club who have a, a small mountain biking contingent. Um, we're a little limited down here because we're surrounded by national parks, so there's no official trail network as such. It's all sort of whatever is tolerated by the, the park rangers. Mm-hmm. But um, we have one mountain where there's we're allowed to cycle pretty much as we please, and there's there's nothing officially built, but wherever there's a there's some very technical trails following 
animal paths and such like so it's it's very natural very technical and very steep but good fun wow okay and and would that be the likes of yourself and your mates that kind of maintain those trails almost yeah, there's a good few riders. I mean, there's a, as I said, there's there's a good few riders from the club. They they do a bit of maintenance. Um, there's a few trails appear now and again where somebody decides that they'd like to, <laughs> they'd add a bit to the the selection. Yeah. But I, they're very. It's very natural. In the winter, it's a complete slip and slide because it's it's covered in mud. So it's there's not that much maintenance goes on. It's it's very uh, bare bones mountain biking really. Yeah, no, it kind of reminds me um, where I live in the north. Uh, I'm based in Port Rush, right up on the coast. But my kind of nearest trail would be Garva, and again, sounds very similar. They're not they're not purpose made trails as such. There's a group of guys up there do a great job maintaining them and and uh, fixing them and getting on. Um, Bert and them lads have been doing it for years. But yeah, it's. Come the winter, it's almost unrideable because you just end up ruining them because they're so wet and muddy. Do you find yeah. that's the same with yourself? Yeah, it, I mean, we're lucky enough that the terrain up the mountain is, is fairly varied, but there are definitely a few trails that are best avoided in the winter because, well, either either you'll hurt yourself badly or there'll be nothing left of them in the summertime. Yeah. But we're lucky enough that there's, uh, there's a good variety, so there, there, there's, there's always something to ride year-round. Yeah, yeah, and what what size would the would your network be up there? Do you think what kind of meters uh, um, would you have there? Yeah, there's a problem. Well, no, my average rider would be somewhere between eight and ten kilometers. For that, probably that includes the climb. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're short, they're short and sharp. Yeah, you uh, do a couple sense. of laps. Yeah, you do a couple of laps. Now, there's there's a bit of variety, so you can you can make a big enough loop, but. It's it's not like a purpose-built trail center where you get kilometers of trails. It's mm-hmm. they're they're basically uh, deer trails. So you, wherever you find a trail, you you dip your bike down, and then you, a couple of minutes later, you're back on the fire on the way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's, I love that style of riding. To be honest, I really I, I really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, I do too. Is it's probably my prefer. I mean, we do have there, there are trail centers. I suppose Ballyhora would be the closest, which is about an hour, just over an hour away from me, which is a pro- it's the first official trail center in ireland i think it's probably about 10 years old now mm-hmm. and it's uh i mean that's where we go especially in the winter when it's wet because it's all graveled and purpose-built and they have a good selection of trails there they have a very active club as well with plenty of off-center trails so it's we do have we do have some proper built stuff that's accessible but the closest would be in Killarney is is all natural but it, yeah. it, like yourself that'd be my preferred style of riding yeah, no, it's cool, and you know, it's funny when, you know, I would head up to Dava quite a lot. It's about an hour and fifteen minutes for me or so. But I always feel if you're riding somewhere like Dava constantly, and that's all you've kind of known, once you go to some of them natural trails, like you have and like Garva, you would, I think, you would really struggle. Because they're yeah. so different, they're so technical with all the roots and the off cambers, and they're just a completely different riding experience. Yeah, it is. It is unique. Um, I have quite a few friends over the east coast, and last year they came down over the Easter holidays for the first time to try out, and they all said they're they're very short because they're used to what they have on in Wicklow, Dublin. They've 
spoiled for choice. They're very short compared to what they have, but they are very, very technical. Mm. So it's, it's definitely skill building. Maybe not so much speed building, but definitely skill building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whereabouts would you travel in Ireland then? Um, or where's your favourite trail in Ireland, Owen? Um, a favourite trail? That was a good selection. I mean, I like I like my locals because I like that style of riding. Uh, but if I want a bit of length, uh, occasionally I get a I get a weekend away and I go and stay with my friends over in Wicklow and just they have they have so much choice there in Jouse and Carrick and Ballinastow. Um, last October we were there for a weekend and we did Jouse Mountain from top to bottom. I think that's probably one of my favourite trails in Ireland so far, from the top of the mountain all the way down. Right, I've never done that. What's it like? Explain it's uh, it's quite varied. The top is part of the Wicklow Way, so it's it's exposed and, and, and a big walking trail, really, but it's very rocky uh, about half the way down, and then it dips into the forest, and then there's loads of trails that people have built there, which are more... They're very varied, so they're tight and steep, and there's jumps, and... The, the, the whole thing from top to bottom because of the variety it was just exhilarating really it was a great day's riding <laughs> and do you, do you climb up to the top yes always yeah so uh, uh, Jaws was is boardwalked most of the way up to the back side of the mountain and then I think there's a there's a the top bit was very rocky and steep we walked a bit then but once you get to the top it's it's all the way down it's it was good fun good crack yeah yeah good and what's your network of friends there that bike with you or more what, what are the guys like um so well as emerald mtv started as me and then there was a couple of my mates here that joined up and then we got well i've always had friends over the other side of the country and they have been mountain biking we kind of got them back into it or we relit the fire so they, they have a nice group of people riding there and we join up with them as, as often as we can obviously there's it's a bit of distance involved but we try and head over that side or they come over here or we'll try and meet in the middle of bike park island quite frequently as well yeah cool awesome awesome what do you think about park ireland um i think it's i think that was a, a godsend really for for irish mountain biking um graham building that place was was a, a great idea and we spent or oh, many weekends there at the stage over the last uh, two or three years it's just so different to anywhere else we can ride with the uplift and just the the trails they've built for a bit of, for a bit of confidence building in a day or over a weekend it's a fantastic place yeah no very good very good and uh the guys seem to be busy down there you know there's a lot of people seem to be posting up stuff about being there and so there's a they seem to be getting the numbers. Yeah, I no, I don't go that often because it's a good two hours drive for me. But uh, I would say about four or five times a year, and I've never been there where it's quiet. Mm. Yeah, no, well, that's good to see. That's that's brilliant because it needs it needs that, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they run a business after all. They need people to come and visit. I mean, I know they enjoy doing it. I'm, I talk to Graham quite frequently, so. I know they, they do it for fun as well, but it's it's a business, so they need people to visit. And the more people that keep visiting, I suppose, the, the more money they get, then the more time they can put into building new trails. Yeah, no, perfect. Perfect. All right, let's talk about your cat a wee bit then. Um, what are you riding at the minute? I ride a Santa Cruz Bronson at the moment. Oh, what you uh, <laughs> that's what That's a reaction I get a lot. Um, yeah, I, I buy everything secondhand, however. The whole bike is built by me. It's, 
uh, part of the reason I started the block, to be honest, because my first bike was like that as well. Because um, I had a, a Halfords bike, cheap and cheerful, which mm-hmm. I rattled to bits and pieces in no time at all on the trails that we ride. But buying a new, or oh, now buying a new mountain bike this time, day and age, is not a cheap proposition. So everything I bought is secondhand and put together by me. Okay, so do you buy the frame on and then? Yeah, I bought the frame. I got a good deal off somebody on Pinkbike. Um, luckily, he was over in in Bray near Dublin, so I had some of my friends pick it up, and we met up in Bagarland a couple of days later, and I took it off them. Um, and then I got most of the I, a lot of the parts were moved over from my old bike, and then whatever it was a different wheel size, so new wheels, new forks, etc. It's trolling eBay and secondhand pages, trying to get a good deal. <laughs> It's funny because the Bronson and the Santa Cruz brand is massive at the minute. You can't go on YouTube without seeing somebody riding a Santa Cruz, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose it's good marketing, but I just, personally, I, I wouldn't change in a hurry because I love that bike. It's it is capable of far more than I am. Yeah. Well, I actually test rode a couple of the new Santa Cruzes from Psychology in in Armagh and um, it was the Hightower LT and the Nomad yeah man they are good bikes yeah yeah I've actually been been hoping to try a Hightower LT for a long time but they had uh, they had Santa Cruz open days last summer it's say Bike Park Island or the Gap I can't remember now one of the two the uh, the Santa Cruz dealer in Dublin but they didn't have a Hightower LT for me mm. to try yeah well it's funny because I went out with my mate and we just kept swapping the bikes about, you know? Yeah. Um, and the high tar's a 29er, and the Nomad's 27.5. Um, he was really... Now, this is a fella... Now, he rides a 26-incher, okay? Yeah. Hard tail, old school. The bike's 25 years old. He's old yeah. school. He hates the idea of 27.5 and 29-inch wheels, right? He hates it. He loved that Hightower LT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He loved it. I preferred the Nomad because, to me, it just felt a wee bit flickier and a wee bit more fun. For me, the LT just seemed to want to go straight, you know, a wee bit more. Uh, but two really amazing bikes, and if used in the right kind of conditions, would be absolutely fantastic. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you ride with bike, your mates, they've all got different bikes, so you end up swapping and... I suppose everybody says they like their own bike, but it's, I've, I'm comfortable with mine. So the the, the high tower LT seems to be my bike on bigger wheels, which is the only reason I'd really like to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, well, you should you should try it because you would be uh, you'd be scarring the net for a frame very soon. I would think. Well, this this is the, the reason I don't want to try it because <laughs> there's only so much money in the kitty. <laughs> so if I really <laughs> fall in love with it, it might turn out to be a very expensive test ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so tell us. Apart from your Bronson, what's your favourite piece of kit you have? Um, oh, um, well, last uh, last summer I got a very good deal on a set of Olin's forks, oh, which yeah, right. oh, I know they're twenty nine inch forks, but they work a treat on my bike. So it's a bit of a hybrid, but I think that's probably. But beyond beside the frame itself, the, those forks are probably my favourite piece of kit at the moment. Yeah, and why do you like them so much? They just they they just feel now. I'm not very techy, so I 
when it comes to setting up forks or the rebound and the compression and, and all those settings, I, I just sort of play with the dial until it feels right. But the um, the Olins are just so easy to set up and they don't, uh, they have a lovely system, which is what appealed to me. They don't take tokens like the Foxes and the Rock Shocks. Mm-hmm. They have an air chamber at the bottom, which does the same thing. But of course you can control it with your pump. Yeah. In a matter of seconds. And, um, I think it was about two or three weeks after I got it, we went to Bike Park Wheels for a, three days last year. And after a couple of hours messing about and getting the settings right, it just it just felt so amazing. And they have very, very rocky trails in Wales. It just felt so planted and, and amazing. It's, I just fell in love with them after that, really. Yeah, no, they do look like a real nice piece of kit, to be honest. They really do. Okay, so what um, what piece of kit do you really want? Bar your LT, what do you really uh, want? Do I really want? Um, I would actually like to try the uh, Wallop Components Dropper. The oh. one that was released a few, um, was it last month or the month before? Um, and it's mostly because I can't find a dropper post that's the right height. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I carried over um, a KS from my old bike, which was an old Yeti 575 from the late noughties, I suppose. So the, the geometry is a bit different. So the seat mm. tube would have been a lot taller so that the seat post didn't need to be as high. And then switching to the Santa Cruz, of course, it didn't reach up high. The, the, when it was fully extended, it wasn't high enough. So I got a, I got a different, I got a Lev DX off eBay, which is, I think, uh, 125 mil, 150 mil. I don't know exactly which was fine. And then I started messing with the geometry on the bike. So I've got the 29 inch forks, of course, which raised the top up and the front up and dropped the seat down. And I've got some, um, offset bushings in there. So it's, it's, it's made the seat post too short again. So I, I'd love to try the one up because they've got this funny system where you can put it's, it's customizable. You can put a spacer in exactly where you want the highest point to be. And I'd, I'd love to try that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we'll try and get one of them on land. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, I keep sending all these companies emails, see if they let me try their stuff with the because I'll run a blog, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, not too much success at the moment. What was it? Wait and see. We'll keep trying. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, so, have you been outside Ireland on the mountain bike, or have you have you visited anywhere exotic, anywhere nice that you can tell us about? Um, we haven't been too far out. No. Um, we went to Wales last year. That's probably the biggest trip I've done with the bike specifically. I mean, I've, I've rode my bike on Tenerife years ago. Mm. And I've obviously, I've ridden my bike in Holland, but there's not much, not much downhill going there. <laughs> um, I've done a little bit of mountain biking in Austria, but not excessive, not, nothing to write home about. But the bike park Wales was probably our biggest trip. And okay, cool. I mean, there's a few places on my bucket list, but it's, Wales is definitely a place I go back to to go ride. Yeah, yeah. And was there a, a group of you went over from Ireland? Yeah, there's um, six or seven of us went over in two cars. Oh wow! It's, it's it was a great handy trip because we stayed at Travel Lodge, which is literally two minutes down the road from from the bike park. So it was we were there for three days. So it's literally piling the car three minutes down the road. <laughs> bike all day three minutes back to the hotel get changed and then there was a pub right next door so it was sort of oh <laughs> could have been a messy one 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, it, sound, it sounds like you're having a blast anyway. So let's chat a wee bit then about Emerald MTB, your website and your blog. And, yeah. And um, I'll put show links and stuff on for the guys to check it out so they can have easy access to it. But how did how did that come about and when did you start that? Um, it started late 2015, I think. Um, I was looking up at when my domain name was for renewal, due for renewal, and it's about around about Christmas time, so it's 2015. And the reason it started really is I, I it's the, just after I'd started building my my Yeti, my old bike, and as I was doing it from bits and pieces, I was trying to find you know, what parts do I need. You're building a full bike from scratch, and so there's all these little bits and pieces you don't want to get halfway through and realize you've missed anything out. So trying to find information what you need trying to find information on on what bits are good and what bits to avoid and what well, there's plenty of information on the internet but it's all american most of it is very, the vast majority is american and there's very little european and certainly not irish or at least not at the time so i thought well if i if i have trouble finding this everybody else probably this too so that's that's kind of the the motivation behind starting the blog was just to keep a record of all the information i'd found just in case it was useful to anybody else and then it kind of went on from there when it turned when we're looking for places to ride. I mean, there's not that many official trails in certainly not in the south of Ireland. So it was the same lack of information. So everything I found, I try and record on there for hopefully to suit other people. And when the product, if I review any products, it's because I bought them and tried them. And I liked them or didn't like them as the case would be. So I'll try and share that with everybody else as well. It's just, we'll call it public public services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I was going to ask you, um, I was going to ask you about the, the product reviews and uh, how you went about getting those. And, you know, if you did reach out to companies and stuff, but you, it's products that you personally have bought and have tried and probably use to this day is that how you do your reviews on that kind of thing yeah all the reviews that are up there are things that i've tried um i used i think in most cases i still use some some have been replaced i'm obviously in in the long term i'd i'd love to reach out to companies and then let me try their stuff but basically the ethos is everything i review is, is something i've tried and today that's that's things i've purchased but if if that can be on Lend, that'd be the same. But it basically, it'll be. It's it's not a review for, not a review for money. Everything everything that's on there is something I've tried, and I either love it, I love it, I don't, and that's the way I write it. Yeah, cool. And was there any of them products that you were shocked by that were better than you thought or worse than you thought? Um, I think one of the first reviews I wrote was the the oval chainring. Um. I just, I'm I'm a bit of a, a geek when it comes to tech, so I, I'm always on Pink Bike and you know those the, the online magazines trying to find out what's the latest and the greatest. Um, so when something a bit unusual comes around, I love to have a uh, I love to have a try. So the oval chainring was one of those. It's I found it online. Some people loved it, and some people didn't rate it at all. Mm-hmm. And the chainring I think I had on my bike at the time was a bit too big. So I was in the market anyway to replace it. So I thought I'll give it a try. Not really expecting to notice any differences. I mean, it it seems like a bit hard to mic, uh, 
marketing hype. Mm-hmm. But after a couple of rides on there, it's it's definitely something that surprised me. Yeah. It it just felt a lot more comfortable than a, than a round one. So I've, I think of all the products I've tried, that's probably the most surprising one that I reviewed. Wow, cool. And did you find that it helped you climb? Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things. It's initially, I would, you, uh, you're very hyper-focused on is it different, is it not different, and you don't really notice. You but you you think maybe you do and you think you don't. It's it's hard to it's hard to really notice any difference. But not long after I'd had it, it was probably a couple of months. It's just the motion. It being oval, it just it you're not pounding the pedals when it gets steep. It's just you're just spinning circles, and it just seems to. It might not make you quicker as such, but it definitely takes less energy out of your legs, and and it's it's very noticeable on a longer ride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you feel it gives you almost like a another gear? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would have I had a thirty four round chainring before, and then they went down to the thirty two oval. Depends on on what combination you've got, but it definitely you should err on the larger side if you go for an oval chainring good advice so do you have any friends or anything like that helping you with the blog and the website um yeah the the lads over in in wicklow dublin i mean they they obviously have a lot more choice where they go ride so they provide me with videos on occasion and photos but um i would say 80 percent of the content you see on on my instagram and facebook and what's on the web is is from me right. and then the rest of it is from the lads over the other side of the country yeah, and, and do, you, do you feel it takes up a good bit of your time, your spare time? It does, yeah. Obviously, I mean, mountain biking is mountain biking. That takes up as much time as I want to dedicate to, to it, and that's that's why I do it, really. But it's, uh, and you probably notice on the to the slow updates on the website, it's the writing of articles that takes up the most time. Yeah. I mean, ideas are plenty. I probably have about 30 or 40 draft posts waiting to be written out, fleshed out into full articles, but it's sitting down and actually writing them that takes up the most time. Yeah, I know. And it's weird because, you know, sometimes, and I don't know if you feel like this or, or think like this, and it's something I've asked guests on the show that have blogs in the past is when they go out for a ride, do they always feel like they have to be riding for content? And does it ever get to the point with you that you feel like that and you think, well, you know what, I just want to go for a ride and forget about the blog, forget about thinking about content for the blog, I just want to go and ride, I'm going to put my camera in my bag and forget about it. Does it ever feel like that to you? No, I probably fall on the opposite side, is I spend too much time riding for fun. <laughs> and then I come back <laughs> and start to make a great article and then realise I haven't taken a single photograph. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, video content is easy enough because I always have my GoPro with my... What do you use to shoot your videos? Um, I have a... I actually have numerous cameras, but I sort of come down to using one now most of the time. I have a GoPro session. Right. Is that different that. from the Hero ones and stuff like that? Yeah, the session is the, the small little square one. It doesn't have a screen on the back. Oh, okay, okay. Um... But because it's so small, I can I have it clipped under underneath the visor on my helmet rather than on top of the helmet. Mm-hmm. I find that more comfortable, and I don't like well I don't like the the Teletubby look 
with the camera stuck on top. <laughs> that always makes me self-conscious. Um, I've, I've caught it on branches a couple of times with it sat on top of the helmet, which is another reason I don't like doing it. So I have mine clipped underneath the visor on my helmet. And it's, once I'm used to it there, it's, it's, I almost forget it's there. So it's always clipped in and always recording, basically, when I'm riding. Yeah, cool. And I'm sure your friends are conscious that they're on video a lot of the time. Do any of them ever like say to you, I want to go in front of you. I want to see how you're <laughs> Yeah, no, in, um, yeah, they don't mind being in front. I get complaints about the angle because it's always from behind. <laughs> so I'm always following them. So there's always backside shots rather than front shots. But yeah, no, they don't mind too much being on, on video. Yeah, well, that's cool. Well, that's good because there'd be nothing worse than you going out trying to get some footage for the blog and them saying, ah, go on, would you turn that bloody camera off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not had that complaint yet. <laughs> Thank goodness. Cool, cool. Uh, let's talk about your shop a wee minute, if you don't mind, then, that's on the blog. Mm-hmm. How has the, the jerseys and, and the store worked out for you? Do you sell many of those? Um, we sell a few, really. Um, I don't really push the shop excessively. I did have the idea of um of selling more things on there initially i have a friend who's a wholesaler of a lot of things like muck off and um i think they're motorbike related mostly but a lot of the brands crossover so i i i was looking into buying a lot of sort of maintenance parts and selling them but that i do find that with even with just selling the jerseys that part is very time consuming if i get a bunch of orders in it's it's a case of chasing up the manufacturer because everything i all the jerseys i sell are custom made so they're made to order mm-hmm. so i get an order in i then have to make sure i've got paid i have to go and get the man contact the manufacturer get them to order it or to order it from them chase them up usually because it's a small order so they get lost between with their big orders mm-hmm. and then uh once it gets here of course then you've got pressure of getting it back in the post and out to people so i find that takes up a lot more time actually than than writing the blog or writing or, or creating content. So I don't really push that one too much. Mm-hmm. Initially, the jerseys were sort of for me and, and friends, and then we got, I got a bit of interest in it, so I put them online, and I've sold a fair few at this stage. I see people riding with them at, at races occasionally, which is nice. Um, but no, they're not. They, I suppose over over a year, they pay for the hosting of the website, and I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And, and they look good too. They are pretty catchy. And the checkered ones and all look really, really cool. Um, did you design uh, them yourself? Uh, I've des- I did. The- I've made the designs. Yeah. Um, the the cut and the fabric is, is the manufacturer. They had. A, they have a nice. They do all sorts of jerseys, but they have a nice, a comfy cut and the fancy jerseys. They got a little pocket in the front and they got a little goggle wipe inside. So they they have proper mountain biking jerseys, but the the prints are my design. Yeah. Yeah, cool. No, they're very, they're very good. And if somebody's ordering one, can they put their own personalised name and number and all on it? That kind of thing. Yeah, they can. You can. Yeah, I've had a few people do that this year. They've they've ordered ones and they put their nicknames or names on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, because I sent out a load of MTB Tribe ones there. And, yeah. Um, didn't make any money on them or anything, but I just wanted to get the product out and get the name out, and guys could change the names and stuff on them, but. The first time I see one out on the trails is going to be so cool, you know. It is. It's, it is very gratifying. Um, was it, I was at um, 
I mean, obviously, I see my mates riding. They all have them, so I've seen my mates riding with them. But I was at the grassroots enduro at Bike Park Island a few months ago, and there was a. It was the one of the, one of the few times I brought my camera. So after I finished myself, I was sat down the side of the trail trying to get a few pictures, and I saw a fella come down the trail and win my one of my jerseys. So that was that was satisfying. Brilliant. Did you go over and speak to him? I did afterwards, yeah. He, he actually fell off in front of me, so I got a couple of pictures of him. So well, that was the icebreaker one I saw later in the car park. Oh, fantastic. And he obviously had no idea who you were or anything like that. He'd just seen the jersey liked it and purchased it. Is that the way it happened? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess oh, it's not so much now on Facebook, but there's a lot of people following me on Facebook and then and they went from there and, and purchased jerseys. Initially, when I first started them up, obviously because they were new and, and I was posting about them quite frequently, and I think um, I think that's where he got his from. He was one of the first to buy one. Yeah, very good. That's cool. That's always nice to see. Uh, brilliant. But yeah, the, the motivation really is the same as you said. It's it's a bit of brand awareness, a bit of publicity. I don't, the making money out of them isn't. No, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't the goal, and, and the small orders that I make is very hard to make any money out of them anyway, because you don't want to fleece people. No, that's a, and I know the price you have your jerseys on there. I kind of a fair idea what they're costing, and I know you're not making you know hardly any money. I would hardly even, I would hardly even benefit you doing it if you know what I mean. If you were just doing it for yeah. money, you wouldn't do it. No, you wouldn't do it for the money. Yeah. No, not at all, not at all. So let's talk about your calendar section in the blog because. There's a lot of good info there. Um, there's maps and, and uh, websites and etc. Do you physically put all that on yourself or do the different competitions send you that info? Um, I know I've, I've been sent some of the info um, since I've done the calendar. So I, I try and keep it up to date. But initially it was it was me. Uh, I got most of the information together myself from the various websites. Um, not initially to do the events calendar, but mostly because I try and keep on top of obviously what events are going on. So if I can be at any, I'll be there. So it's, it was mostly for my own calendar. But as I had the information, I thought, and there is no one calendar with events for mountain biking in Ireland that I could find. I thought I'll put it up there. As I've, I've got the information. I've got the website. I might as well make use of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very handy. I must admit it really is and you know with the website links and all on there it makes it really easy just to figure out what's going on Um, because there's so many different things you'd have to look for and remember to do and where to visit and where to go and um, so that's a really good you know one shop fits them all kind of thing Um, really works well so but I'm sure it's time consuming um yeah, it's not so much now. It's at the beginning of the year. Yeah, once the once the new season is is on the horizon, obviously all the series start publishing their dates and events, and that's it takes me a, a few hours over a few over a few hours a day over several days to keep to get it up to date for the next year. But I mean, as I said, it's a lot of it is for my own benefit as well. But you might as well share it. You know, there's no it's as much work for me to put it on the calendar on my computer as it is to put it on the calendar on the website. So yeah. Yeah, cool. And have you any background in blog writing or anything like that? Owen, what's what's your background in? I'm I'm a full time web developer, so it's it's my day job really. Oh, <laughs> sort of right, okay. Yeah. Well, that helps. 
it does. Yeah, it's, it's things up a little. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have an end goal or anything set for the blog or anything like that? Is there any kind of direction you're going to take it in the near future? I kind of, yeah. I can't, I, well, I kind of take it in the direction it's going now and just hopefully it, it'll grow. If I can spend a bit more time at, at writing articles, grow it a little bit, I suppose. I mean, I'd like it to be, I'd obviously like it to keep going. Mm-hmm. So the, the motivation is there for me to, to put some effort into keep writing regular articles. I'd like to build the following a little bit so that maybe when I try, do try out and reach out to companies to try products that they, they have some reason to, to help me out occasionally. That would be nice, and it obviously that it's it's a, it's a rolling ball. And of course, the more I get, the, the more time I can spend with it, and, and the bigger it can, the the more useful it will be to other people as well. Yeah, no, certainly it's a, it's something nice to see uh, because there's plenty of blogs from the UK and stuff like that, but there's nothing really based and centered around Ireland. So I think it's really nice to have it there, and because all your content's so focused in Ireland, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it it, like I said. It's, that was sort of the motivation behind doing it because I couldn't find. And as I'm on the internet most days, when I have five minutes, I browse. And as I'm interested in mountain biking, I tend to look for mountain biking related content. And as you say, there, there's plenty of American content and there's plenty of UK content, but Irish related stuff is is very hard to find. So it's part of the reason I started it, and it's it's one of the reasons I like to keep it going because I do I know people do read it, so. I would, I would like to keep that content there and keep it interesting and give them something to 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 read and hopefully encourage more people to to get into mountain biking in Ireland as well because it's I mean we live in a great country for it and to get people to go outdoors if, it, if we can motivate a couple of people and that's great it feels very satisfying to me yeah definitely and it's it's funny because you know the podcast has done that for me I would get people email me and saying you know they really enjoyed it and it's made them go off the couch and go out and get the bike out of the shed again and, and go go riding which is that's just so nice to hear you know it's, it just makes your day you know what i mean it is isn't it it's, it's gratifying and it's i mean it's well unless you hurt yourself of course it's such a healthy thing to be doing it's outside fresh air exercise takes your mind off the daily stress so i mean there's far far worse things to be encouraging people to do oh definitely definitely would you ever think of getting contributors to the blog getting other people to write articles for you um yes certainly um i've had one or two articles written by other people over time but it's um it's it's the writing part that puts a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but certainly if, if somebody with a bit of knowledge or something, or they're partaking in an event and they want to write an article and and have me publish it, by all means, I would be more than happy to do that. And I would certainly, you know, if if it took some of the load off me and some and I could find some people to help out with with editing content, then absolutely, I would be very happy for that. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. That's, I think that's maybe a good way. You could even put a feeler out in Facebook or something to see if boys would be willing to do that because it's always content published for them as well. So if that's if that's a direction they're thinking of going, even just as a side hustle or something. Yeah. You know, you never know. Um, because I know I know that's the way a lot of the the big blogs are done. Certainly the magazines and stuff. It's all contributors. You know. 
yeah, I mean, as as one person, there's only so many things you can write. I mean, there's only so many ideas you can come up with as one person. And I guess there's only so many ways you can write content as one person before people start feeling like they're reading the same thing over and over. So I guess yeah. the more people that are involved, the more interesting it becomes. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope that goes well for you in the future. And you, loads of people listening to the podcast and loads of people you get bombarded now with emails of content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, classic. So let's talk a wee bit about mountain biking in Ireland then, because you're the, you're the man to ask. Um, so what do you think the scene is like in Ireland at the moment? I think the scene in Ireland is probably as big as it's ever been at the moment. Certainly from, from what I can see, there is there are more, um, I'd say the calendar this year, when I did it earlier this year, it was far fuller than I've seen it in the last couple of years. Um. I know with the likes of Greg Callahan and Killian Callahan and Dan Wolf and the EWS, the the um, the level of interest in in the sport is a lot higher in Ireland than it has ever been. So, I've, as long as it doesn't peak, it's it's certainly mm. better than it has ever been. Yeah, and why do you think it's gotten so popular over the last number of years? Um. I guess, I mean, there's definitely a trend for more outdoor activity. That probably helps. Um, and but, tell me, Owen, just, just while we're chatting about that, does the Ireland government, do they put any money into trail centres down there? Because our trail centres up the north are all kind of council, they're all council-owned, if you like. Um, Chain Reaction sponsors a number of them. But hmm. what way does the southern ones work? Um... Well, obviously, now Bike Park Island is private. Um, the Gap in Dublin is private. The official trail centres are almost all on Quilcher forestry land with the help of Quilcher. And then I, and then I think the funding, I'm not 100%, but the funding for each one of those is raised individually for each project. So that could be either government agency or private or whatever, wherever they can get the money from. But mm-hmm. there's... I don't think there is much of a government drive to build any sort of outdoor activity centres that I know of. I mean, it'd be great if there was, that we might get a bit more done, but I think most of most of the ones there are either with the help of Quilcher or, or privately sponsored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, was one of the reasons it's got so popular the number of new trail centres? Um... I don't know, but um, uh, Ballyhora is the oldest one, and I think they just had their tenth anniversary. And I, I wasn't aware of it when it first opened. I heard of it a couple of years after, and we went there, and it certainly wasn't that busy. And it hasn't got that. It's busy now, generally that I know of, but it's not. It hasn't been that busy before. So I don't think it was the building of the trail centres that made it popular. I, I, personally, I think it's it's events like the. The, the first Trex Enduro series in the north and the Gravity Enduro in Ireland, since they started, they've they've built a high, much higher profile that, that I can see anyways. Mm-hmm. People are getting more interested in it. They want to try their hand at it. And obviously, once you once you sign up for a race, you want to do a bit of training. And then once if you enjoy the race, you'll keep at it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because in the podcast... I emailed out my subscribers and stuff, my subscriber list in the podcast, and I asked them the two main reasons why they mountain biked. And by far, 
It was like 80% said the reason they mountain biked was to get out into nature. Yeah. And you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I, that's definitely a trend for outdoor activities. I don't think, my, not mountain biking specifically, but doing things out there. I mean, I, here in Kalani, we get, oh, and in Dingo, in Kenmare as well, I think. I mean, there must be four or five adventure races a year. So that's cycling and running, swimming in the, all of the national parks or up the mountains. So that I mean, and those are all, I think they're, most of those are for-profit events and they come back year after year. So there's obviously a huge demand for, for outdoor activity things and, and mountain biking is, is a great way into that for a lot of people. I mean, personally, yeah. if outdoor running is something a lot of people like doing, personally, that doesn't appeal to me at all, but riding a bike seems much more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think if you want that wee bit of adrenaline and that wee bit of fear, the mountain biking beats running every time for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's that's the other thing. It's mountain biking is so varied. I mean, you can go from, from cross-country riding, which is which you, as hard or as slow as you like or you can go enduro racing if you like a bit more variety or you can go full-on downhill it's i mean it's, it's all possible and so the level of difficulty and effort is in mountain biking is down to you really your personal preference so you can scale it to what you're comfortable with and i guess that's that's a big draw to a lot of people yeah no i would i would say so that's a good that's a good point and do you see many young kids in ireland mountain biking yeah uh, more and more uh, I mean, locally, I know that, or I see them on the road and big downhill bikes on the way to the mountains. So they cycle from home all the way to the trails and they go riding. Um, with Emerald MTB, I'm involved or I help out with the, the Grassroots Enduro Series, which was uh, sort of Western Ireland only last year, but it's sort of all over the country. And I think the last couple of rounds, they've had a record number of, of junior entries. So that's what, under under 17s. Wow. So there's there's definitely a lot of of younger kids getting involved in mountain biking. That's encouraging because you need that. If you don't have that, you're going to struggle, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a short term proposition, isn't it? If it's only if it's only all the people, then eventually they're going to stop. And if there's no no new crowd waiting, then that's the end of that. Yeah, that's cool. And and do you see much of a coaching network in Ireland or anything like that for the young kids? Um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure about this side of the country, but I mean, on the East Coast, obviously, that's where the majority of people live and that's where they have most of the trails. I know Cycling Ireland, um, especially for young kids, regularly have days out and, and events sponsored. I know, um, is it, I think it's Biking IE and, and Gravity Enduro between them have various events as well. So there's definitely, there is support for, for younger kids trying to get into it. Yeah, that's good to see because, you know, it's funny, you know, I've had lots of good racers on the podcast. I had um, Keelan Grant on and, you know, who now races beside Sam Hill in the EWS. Yeah. Um, you know, asking asking Keelan about his upbringing and if he had anybody or any coaching or anything like that, a lot of them guys just don't have that. No. You no, know, I, I think it's, it's amazing, like Keelan now and, and uh, Killian and Greg Callan. I mean, they would have had very little. I mean, it's a lot of, it's their effort, really, I suppose, that's driving the, 
is driving the 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 amount of effort and and training that's being put into younger kids because that's where the interests come from. But where, where those guys got their skills and their speed from is amazes me because they must have done most of that off their own backs. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And chatting to them, um, it definitely seems that way. You know, they didn't have any extra help or they didn't have any amazing trails or they didn't have a a magic wand they they were just like everybody else but just their determination and maybe natural ability as well come into play obviously but you know Keelan Grant is just he's a machine on a machine you know? yeah <laughs> yeah um and it's funny chatting to some guys that have not on the podcast but just chatting to some guys that have went out with Keelan and know him they just say that he's unbelievable on a bike he's just yeah the man just doesn't stop you know he's he's got a v8 engine pumping in his and his blood you know yeah it's um last year there was a there was a grassroots injury around the bar park island as well and i was i raced a little bit of it um i was there to do an interview with um michelle muldoon and i was trying to get an interview with killian callahan who was there at the time as well and I didn't get I didn't get to an interview with him because uh, basically afterwards the lad said he did I think he was ten or twelve runs because of the grassroots at the time they'd let you do as many repeat the stages as often as you like and then just count the fastest time so I think he did uh, ten or twelve climbs up far more than anybody else managed so because he had to pedal to the top and then and then race race back down again and he did that all day long until basically he had to hand his ticket back in. Yeah, it's just it's incredible for for from my perspective somebody who writes for fun and occasionally after five goes I was knackered <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is amazing it is amazing well hopefully them young kids that are coming into the into the mountain biking scene that they get the help they need and they get a bit of coaching and a bit of encouragement because you know Ireland have some they have some amazing talent out there and I think if they could build it from that grassroots up, it, it would only get better and better, especially with the trails we have now as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we don't have the elevation maybe that some of the, say, the EWS races do, but we certainly have trails to build your skills on and to build your confidence on. And, and there's a lot of vari- variation in terrain as well. Like I know some of the trails on the East Coast, they've got rocks and they've got roots and they've got mud and we've got no shortage of mud over this side of the country. So, <laughs> I don't know. When it comes to skill building and and just being outside of nature and, and putting time on your bike, you probably couldn't be in a better country. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Well, here, listen, I've taken up too much of your time on already and it's getting late there. And um, I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the show. But how, how can people best keep in contact with what you're doing and what's happening with Emerald MTB? Um, I suppose the best way to keep in contact with everyone to be is, is follow us either on Instagram or on Facebook. Okay. Uh, whenever we post anything new, I'll, I'll put it on. I generally put it on Facebook as well and on Instagram if I can. And just check check the website occasionally. I mean, I don't update it as often as I like, but um, our social media content, I try and post daily. So there's always something new to keep in touch with. All right. Happy days. And I'll put all the show the links on the show notes and stuff for people to get easy access to what you're doing there so you're doing a good job i'm so glad we've got a a blog coming out of ireland and um, i hope more people get involved and and help you out there even 
um, it's a great resource to have definitely so good luck in the future with that Owen and I, I really hope it goes well for you thank you very much and keep building bikes mate keep building bikes <laughs> I, will, I will as long as I have money to build them I will keep building bikes I can't help myself <laughs> <laughs> alright bud here listen thanks so much for coming on and I'll speak to you again in the near future alright thank you very much all the best bye bye well that's it for episode number 42 folks I hope you enjoyed that and Owen thanks so much for coming on the podcast I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you coming on and letting us know what Emerald MTB is all about and what you think the future of mountain biking in Ireland is. It's all very insightful and all good info, so thanks so much for doing that. And folks, if you want to know a little bit more about Emerald MTB or follow Owen and what he's doing there with the blog, you can simply go to the show notes of the website, that's www.mtb-tribe.com and you will find the links to Owen's material on there. You can also download or listen to the show directly from that webpage, so that's no problem. Check that out. Now, if you want to get more involved, you can also subscribe to the show where we will send out a email each week, and you'll get some more info, um, an email once or twice a month. I'm not going to bombard you with stuff. So if you want to get more involved, you can do that. You can simply subscribe via the website or if you want to get in contact regarding anything mountain biking um, wherever you're from just simply go to the contact page on the website mtb-tribe.com and you can send me an email via there i do read all emails and i do reply to them all so you can do that and i will get back to you just give me a wee bit of time maybe but i will get back to you you can also find us on socials instagram is at mtb tribe and facebook mtb tribe and just another wee thing before we all bike off, if you listen to the show via iTunes, I would appreciate it if you can leave a review. Five stars is brilliant, obviously, and share with a friend. It really helps the show get out there. Let's more people see and hear the show, and that is effectively why I am here. So if you can do that, it helps brilliantly and helps the show. So thanks so much for doing that. I just want to say, folks, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode. We have plenty more to come in the near future and I will be speaking to you next week on the MTV Tribe podcast. So thanks again. Have a great weekend and I hope you all get out in the trails. Take care.